The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. I hope life is treating you really well. Now, today we're going to be digging deep into the power of strategic storytelling with our guest, Kyle Gray, a world-class presentation coach, story strategist, and author who helps coaches, startups, and executives use storytelling to better communicate their unique value and improve sales with their audience. Now, this is a really interesting conversation, as Kyle is a little different from others I've heard promoting storytelling. He combines the two worlds of timeless storytelling with cutting-edge marketing to ensure that you've got the right story to tell while presenting, or on a sales call, or in conversation, or taking a stand for your change-making, both online and offline. Kyle takes us on somewhat of a journey into the connection between storytelling, perception, and the body, sharing some of his techniques for creating empowering narratives, those with the potential to move people, rather than just, you know, the usual transactional stories that many people tell, especially in business. He highlights the importance of focusing your stories on customers and understanding their struggles so you can speak to them in ways that they can actually hear and know viscerally that you understand them. So join us as we explore the role of authentic storytelling in sales, the future impact of AI, and the importance of reclaiming humanity in the age of technology. Carl shares actionable strategies to get you started finding your own origin and teaching stories, giving you insights that will inspire change and empower you too to create a bigger impact in your world. It's time to get started. So without further ado, let me introduce you to today's guest, Kyle Gray. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. It's so great to have you here, my friend. Jane, I am so excited to be here. I've been thinking about this moment and preparing for a long time, and I'm glad it's finally here. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited to share you with our audience because I believe you have a skill set that is really relevant for changemakers particularly today. And we're going to dive into some of that. But before we do, uh, our audience have just heard your professional bio. And I'd love to ask you, like I do with all of my guests, you know, something about like the real life human that lies beneath the surface of that bio. Who is he? Mm. Well, what's what's coming to mind right now and what brought me into the world of sacred change makers uh, is a story from an experience in Peru. And it wasn't ayahuasca, although I, I'm sure many <laughs> people were thinking that. Um, different experience, different medicine called Giardia. Uh, I took a swim in an Amazonian lake when I was in Peru and uh, rope swinged into the water and dunked my head a little bit. And I think that is where I got uh, this parasite called Giardia. And a few days later, I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. The most powerful pathogen I've ever encountered. And uh, I had to go to a clinic. I, I felt like I was within inches of my life, super dehydrated and all these things. And then <clears throat> uh, the doctor injected me with some kind of nuclear grade antibiotic and this began one of the most transformative processes of my life. For the next two weeks, I had to be incredibly present and all, always mindful not to poop my own pants. And then after that, uh, I, I started to um, <clears throat> descend into uh, a really interesting world of joint pain, 
of unexplained anxiety, of uh, fatigue and confusion and not understanding what was going on with me. And I spent a lot of time blaming myself for uh, whatever's happening in my head, not having a good enough mindset. Why can't I just be happy? This was all happening um, in the background of me developing my career as a storyteller, a copywriter, and an expert in messaging. And after about four or five years, um, it got to the point where I couldn't hike more a quarter mile without uh, some serious knee pain. My jaw felt like it was going to fall off my face. And no matter how many Tony Robbins books I read, I could not uh, fix my mindset. And I found myself facilitating a workshop, uh, helping people position themselves as great speakers and great authorities and creating great signature talks. And this workshop just so happened to be filled with health and wellness experts. And I sat next to this one woman and she said, hey, my name's Dr. Grace and I help people overcome chronic autoimmune conditions through gut health. By this time, I had discovered I had an autoimmune condition and had a guess that gut health was at the root of a lot of this. And we started working together. I, I knew exactly what was going on with her clients from my own experience. And uh, she knew how to help me. So I started helping her with her messaging. We wrote signature talks. I ghost wrote a book for her. And in turn, she was walking me through a protocol for Hashimoto's disease, which was one of the downstream things of what I was experiencing. And within a few months, uh, I recovered a lot of my, my health and my strength, and I felt an entirely new lease on life. And since then, I feel that uh, what, what was once one of the biggest curses in my life has become a superpower that helps me value my health and my life from a, a young age and has set me apart from many different copywriters and messaging experts. And it was my own story that helped me reach and speak to this group of health and wellness experts who had very big hearts, who had very big brains and a ton of experience in this. And every time they wanted to talk about the value of what they did, their experience ended up tripping them up more than serving them. And since then, I've been holding a space of helping those with great gifts and great talents, not just in the health and wellness space, but I feel that they encapsulate a lot of the, the commonalities between uh, the people I work with. In taking all of that brilliant information that they have in their heads and turning it into good stories and teaching that lands and resonates in the hearts of their ideal audience. I love that. You and I have got more in common than you know. <laughs> so um, before we get into your work, which you've just beautifully articulated why you do what you do, you know, there's something for me, and this is a conversation that's very alive with my audience, because I was given a terminal diagnosis in 2004. Um, I was bedridden and in a wheelchair for four years. And um, in, in, in many ways, this is the event in many ways that shaped my work and took me from doing, at the time I was a leadership consultant working with global brands, everything you would expect to see from a leadership consultant, but in my private life, I was um, on a spiritual journey, on a spiritual path of consciousness and different things. And I was already an energy healer. And when I got this terminal diagnosis, apart from the fact that I fell to pieces for a bit, it, it kind of brought together my different worlds. And one of the things I heard you say there, which really parallels with my own path in a way, is the way that illness can be like a crucible in a way. I mean, it's very intense to be with, with ill health at the level that you were describing there and also what I went through. But there's something about that energy and the, and the inner journeys we go on when that happens that really starts to define a different way of being in the world. 
And I'd love to hear first your personal insights, you know, as well as those that you've already mentioned that help kind of shape your work in the world. But, you know, what is it that you take away from that? Because I know, you know, there may be some of our audience that are going through these things right now. And I know, and I know you know, how hard it is to be in that kind of mired in that mud. And it doesn't seem like anyone can help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the the (laughs) biggest insights I have from this time is uh, how you feel and the story you tell yourself about why you're feeling that way are very rarely the same thing. Right. And after decades, this is still something I learn from and grow with. And I have never woken up any morning uh, with anxiety. I have anxiety often still to this Mm -hmm. day, but I never wake up and think, man, it's my gut dysbiosis that's really messing with me today. (laughs) You know, there's your brain comes up with a story that's much more elaborate than that about why this is happening. And the insight that this points to is it's very important to understand your biology and it's very difficult to access the mindset and the the high mindedness that we aspire to if our biology is out of whack and a a non-pathogenic example of this that uh, at least half of the listeners could appreciate or or somebody could understand is i think one of the, one of the greatest examples is birth control uh once once somebody takes birth control their personality changes in a lot of ways their desires their energy and uh, they, you can you can notice this and be like, whoa, something's really happening here. But at the same time, very rarely do you do you understand like this is my hormonal chemistry impacting my mindset. But it has a powerful effect, and as soon as you see it that way, there's a whole new playing field that opens up in terms of the story that you're telling yourself and what we need to do to tell ourselves better stories to ourselves about ourselves. Yeah, I love that. It also hooks into uh, another experience I had in October of this year when I went with the Pachamama Alliance to Ecuador and lived with the indigenous people for uh, different nations for three weeks. And in this context of story, It was really interesting for me to be in the Amazon rainforest and be amongst people that tell very different stories than what we tell in the modern world. And here was my takeaway, because it kind of taps into what we're talking about here, was this realization I had that the stories we tell, not just the ones that I, Jane, tell, but the stories that are told and are around me in my culture, you know, that we just kind of take for granted. It's like the water we swim in actually shapes us and shapes our future. Because here I was in the Amazon rainforest, nothing was familiar at all really. It was such a different way of life. And although I would say I didn't really learn anything new in my head, what I did learn, the whole journey for me was about embodying the stories that supported the future I wanted to create, but learning to live into them and not just hold this knowledge as knowledge in my head, but actually start to embody that wisdom. And one of the things I've started to consider, and I'm just kind of, I always live with some kind of inquiry. And it's this idea that I don't just tell stories. What if my life were a story? And what if as a sacred change maker, it was an invitational story? (laughs) That is a beautiful thought that I have also found myself moving down this path more and more. And I never would have expected Uh, or set out to go in this direction. But over the course of a decade of learning about crafting words that create emotional experiences, uh, typically from the stage or from online. And as I started to heal my body, 
I started to learn about the way that the stories I was telling myself impacted my body and impacted mm -hmm. even how I perceived the world around me. And I found that the same techniques that I would use to help somebody craft a compelling story to get people to lean in on a podcast or from the stage are the same stories, are the same techniques and methods that I would use to create limitations in my life to uh, slow myself down or distract myself. Mm -hmm. And there is also on the other side of this, an incredible opportunity. Storytelling, as, as far as I've worked with people, it's not just about when you can get on stage or on a podcast like this one and making an impact with your listeners, but that same story that if you understand it if you clarify it and if you can arrange it in a way that really inspires you and brings forward all of the the beauty and brilliance that you know is inside of you it changes how you show up in the world mm -hmm. it changes the opportunities and possibilities you see um and it, there could be speaking gigs there could be many different opportunities buzzing all around you, shaking in front of your face, and you won't <laughs> notice them. And you won't right. even feel the pain of not noticing them or missing the opportunities because you've blinded yourself and you've limited yourself. But there's also on the other side of this, if we can learn how to articulate who we are and why we're doing this in a way that really lands, it's gonna, it will create energy for us the mountains that seem to be standing in our way will vanish and we will be able to start doing the work that we're really here to do. Mm, I love that. You know, and as I'm listening to you speak, it all sounds like it make, just makes real sense what you're saying. And yet underneath what you're saying, you're asking some very big, potentially existential questions which is, you know, I mean, you just said that, you know, who am I? And sometimes I wonder about the stories that I tell because I think, well, it's actually going to take me a lifetime to answer that question. I don't know who I am. So where does someone start when they think about, okay, I know storytelling is important for me as a change maker, but wh where do I begin? Because for lots of people, they're not even aware of the stories they tell. <laughs> yes, this is a very good question. And there is a very simple answer for this. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Where we begin is we start to think about the person that we want to serve. Mm -hmm. And this is this is how I start with, with all of my clients. Usually the first story that I create with somebody is an origin story, mm -hmm. a story that we can use to introduce ourselves, to show our listener that we understand them and that we have the solution for them. And one of the biggest problems I think a lot of people face when coming up with these stories, we sit down in front of a blank screen and we assume that we can recall any memory we want at any time we want. And so we can just sit down and say, all right, what story should I tell, brain? <laughs> oh, uh, well... Maybe I'll just go make some random social media posts or respond to some emails or put out some fires instead, because this isn't working. <clears throat> so how do we start? What I like to do is I ask them questions about their, their ideal client. What problems do they have? How does this problem impact them? What story are they telling themselves about this problem? What fear do they have underneath this problem? How does it impact their family outside of their work? And the more that we can clarify this, we can start to use this as an emotional compass. When we really start to understand their problems, then I ask a question, when did you feel like this? And all of a sudden, uh, new ideas will, will come up. I have, a, I have a, a story that I can, I can share about how this process really works. Mm, please do. So I had a health and wellness expert named Deborah very much a sacred change maker. And she came on to one of one of my coaching calls and was ready to craft an origin story. And at the beginning of this call, she was like, Kyle, I'm stressed out. And I was like, what's what's going on, Debbie? She's like, well, I'm 
I'm working with women who have hormone problems and I'm fixing them and I've, I've had some clients. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a problem. What's really going on here? And she's like, well, I really want to work with children with ADHD and their parents. But I don't know if I can focus on them and these other audiences. And you know what? I just found out that I have ADHD and I have been looking back at decades of dopamine-driven decisions that have led my life every which way. And I just keep thinking to myself, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. Does this sound like the attitude that we need to create a, a story? <laughs> no. So I say, Debbie, do you want to play a game? Okay, let's play a game. I'm amazed that that people in this state uh, allow this kind of stuff, but but it, but it happens. Anyway, so I say, write down what you just said. If my parents had only known they could have done something. Write it down, read it out loud, take a big breath, read it out loud, take a big breath, read it out loud, take a big breath. She does it. How does that feel? Terrible. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> where we want to be. Now let's change one word and see how it changes the feeling. If I had only known, I could have done something. Read, breathe, read, breathe. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Still not very good, but but something has changed. Okay. Let's try a different one. I know now and I can do something. Hmm. That's a little bit closer. That's a little bit nicer. Now we, we feel differently about this. And I say, well, what's one of the biggest reasons why a parent wouldn't want to work with somebody like you? Immediately, she knows. Well, they don't want to open up a Pandora's box with a diagnosis and have to deal with all of these things. Oh, well, Debbie, what does that lead to? Well, it leads to decades of dopamine-driven decisions that have led your life every which way. So let's change the statement now. I know now, and that's why my message is so important. All of a sudden, she lights up. She gets it. She's ready to go. And I ask the question, well, when, when, when did you feel like this? When, when, when did you see somebody else in your family experiencing the symptoms of ADHD? Immediately, she has a story come to mind. She remembers seeing her grandson uh, bouncing off the walls like any any young boy should, and particularly an ADHD boy. And uh, the boy's father is shouting at him, trying to calm him down, and they both end up frustrated, exasperated, and disappointed. And she's looking at her grandson, and she starts to wonder if he's ever going to get the treatment that he really needs and deserves. And she starts looking back on moments of her life and the decades of dopamine-driven decisions that have led her life every which way. And she thinks to herself in that moment, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. But now she can do something. And now we're, we're exiting that story. The phrase that was the most disempowered phrase at the beginning of this call now became one of the most powerful objection overcoming statements that became the fulcrum of her story. We didn't change the words. We had to go through a process to get there, but isn't that interesting? And this is really the internal and the external power of storytelling. This is how it changes how we show up and it changes how people receive us. Mm. And what I'm hearing is this is a way, I mean, it sounds very powerful what you do. And what I love about what you do, it's like stories from the inside out, kind of. It's like, and these feel like the stories that are not just like narratives, transactional narratives, but they're stories with, you know, the power to move people mm -hmm. in some way. So tell us a little bit more about that, because as change makers, we're often not just looking at transactional business. We're looking at how do we inspire the human spirit? How can we, you know, kind of catalyze the impulse for change in other people? And you described it beautifully there, because we often forget that friction 
is that tension that you talked about in your client is the thing that actually sparks the need for change. So tell us about that. I mean, because that feels really important. Absolutely. So there's many different kinds of stories to tell and they serve many different purposes. And we've been discussing an origin story. And Mm -hmm. the purpose of that story is to show, hey, I understand you and I have gone through this process and figured something out. But now what you're requesting is more in the lines of teaching and what do we teach and how do we teach? And most of us have learned how to teach in a not useful way in the context that you're describing. A lot of us went through a public school education and we went to college. And in college, people told us all of the information. They told us the steps to do the things and gave us a very direct way to, here's how you solve the problem. For example, like we'll talk about getting some abs just, just for the sake of this. And somebody might teach just, here's how you get abs. You do 15 sit-ups a day. You start eating kale and uh, you go for a run. And if that's really how, what we're talking about, it's going to go for, for somebody who might be a possible client, it's going to go in one ear out the other because they've already seen 12 different fitness people and they've already tried all the things and they've tried all the diets and they're not ready to just listen to you to, to, to how to do all the things. But this is immediately what we gravitate to. And it's almost a compulsion to teach in this way. But instead, if we think about how do we teach in a way, not just talking about how to solve the problem, but changing how we think about the problem. This goes from just fire hosing information to really opening up the playing field, opening up the imagination to possibilities. If we go with the abs example, instead of saying you need to do all these sit-ups, what if it's like, well, you you haven't been able to get these results because you've been thinking about the problem wrong. And it's not about how much you work out or what you eat. Maybe it's as simple as if you change when you eat. What? When I eat, I don't have to change my diet or any of these things. All of a sudden there's new possibilities. Yes. But if you just try intermittent fasting, you skip breakfast in the morning, but then have a bigger lunch, you can keep your diet the same, but this causes a process of allowing you to process your body fast more efficiently, so on, so on. Don't hold me to this. This is just an example. I'm not a health and wellness expert, (laughs) but hopefully it illustrates the point and what we want to teach. And a lot of us as experts, we we can be forgiven for talking about how we solve the problem because we've spent years and years and years honing our craft and we hang out with other brilliant sacred change makers like us and we talk about all of the techniques that we use to solve the problem. But it's not what our clients need. And so friction is often what I provide. I don't have any answers for the clients that come to me. I just challenge your thoughts a little bit more than you're used to, to help shape them in a way that's truly going to serve and inspire and attract your ideal clients without having to be salesy or pushy, and certainly without blasting them with a ton of information, which creates an effect I call overwhelming, both boring and overwhelming somebody (laughs) to the point that they either disengage entirely Or they maybe think, well, I've heard this all before and I can do this myself. None of those things. We need to change how we think about what we teach. And this allows us to truly make the impact that we're setting out to make. Mm, I love that. That's great. And it's so interesting because as you're speaking, I mean, we touched a little bit there on sales. And I know we've talked about this before because, you know, my audience is somewhat reticent about that word. And I think it's probably just a syntax thing. But when I actually think about story in relationship to sales, it's almost like I see them as a polarity, rightly or wrongly. I mean, it's almost like story is at one end where, you know, it's almost like a magical space. Like I could go in and I could be present with the storyteller. And if it's a story that's relevant and captures me, then I'm just going to be almost like lost in the story and just kind of love what's going on. 
Whereas if I know somebody's selling to me, none of us like to be sold to. Like we all need mm-hmm. our problem solving, but we don't want to be sold to. So I love this idea of, of story as a way to actually influence and impact and sell. Let's say that. So what would you say to people that go, oh, no, we don't want to be too pushy or salesy or whatever? Like, you know, can story really help us to sell? Definitely. I'm going to give a sugary pill solution, and then I'm going to give one that's a little bit tougher to swallow, but all the more important. The first one is how do we talk about our clients and our products and services in a way that is storytelling? and allows us to describe what we do in a way that really shows our clients how we do our work, but doesn't feel salesy. It feels value add. And so when we can identify those limiting beliefs, what we do is we have clients that we worked with in the past bring these limiting beliefs to us in a story. And we talk about how we helped them within the story. I actually already have told a story about this And by now you have gotten a basic idea of how I work with people, the results I can get and what it would be like to work with me, but you haven't felt like I've been, I've been selling to you. When I give a signature talk, I give several of these stories. And by the time I'm actually teaching about these stories, I ask my audience, how many of these sales stories have I told? Nobody can answer me because they're that transparent. But again, you know how I coach people. You probably want to be on a call and get the same transformation that Debbie did. And this is how we think about how we talk about our our clients and our products and our services. And if we can master this balance really well, then we don't actually have to sell or be pushy because we're talking about our products and services. And by the time we say we have a thing, people are already foaming at the mouth, ready to go. And that's great. But- Okay, so there's the sugar pill. And now here's here's the tougher one. If if you are if you think that sales is is something nasty or manipulative or pushy, then you're thinking too much about yourself and you're you're in your own world and you're in your own limitations. And that means you're not thinking about your client. And there are people out there that need your help that are hurting, you know? There are people like me 10 years ago where my biology was in a place where I couldn't get myself out of this funk. And if you are going to let your limiting beliefs about, oh, sales is kind of pushy, stop you from serving somebody who really needs your help, then I, I would question if you really are a sacred change maker. Because we sales, I believe, is not is not a pushy process. This is one of the most intimate and sacred processes. We get to speak, nobody gets stood for in this way. If you can really understand and believe and communicate and speak to somebody and really serve them, you need to stand for them. And if you really have something good that's going to make the world better, then they deserve for you to make that stand for them, stand in your value. And and I believe right now in this time, more than ever, we need people who are aligned, who are making this stand for a better future. And sometimes that requires you to step out of your comfort zone and be a little bit uncomfortable. And that's the service that we really are standing for. And that's what I, I believe sales is a sacred process and a gift to give to somebody if you're doing it right, if you truly believe that you're standing for them and wanting to help them. If you are just saying, well, I need to make this money this week and I hope this person pays me, that is gross and <laughs> nobody wants that. But again, if we've if we've gotten this far in the podcast, we know that we're here for something more and mm-hmm. and and our our people are waiting for us to stand in that alignment. And thank you for saying that. I think it's so important what you've just given voice to, because you're absolutely right. We need more people that are willing to take a stand. And that's what really defines a sacred change maker is having the courage to speak the truth. 
you know, and and actually, I love the way the reframe you gave there. It was so elegantly stated, Kyle, in the way that, you know, what we have and what we can bring is a gift to our clients. And when you truly know that, of course, you're going to shout it from the rooftops. It, it, it seems to me like it's no different from when I'm with a group of friends and they're like, hey, where should we go and eat? Well, there's a, you know, and we all start going, oh, there's a great restaurant over here or there's this over here and I've eaten here and it's fabulous. There's no like ickiness in that, but it's really still, well, referrals or sales or however you want to describe it. And I love the idea that sales is sacred because for me that, shifts everything. So it calls me to ask you, like, what is your work in service of? Like, you've told us a little bit about why you got to this space of, of being like the, the storyteller and doing strategic storytelling with your clients. But what is it in service of for you? What's the future that this work is kind of directionally leading us towards? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. And I've spent a lot of my life asking and and seeking that in a profound way. And, and I've had to stare into the darkest parts of me. And I've had to, yeah, I've I've been in through a, a lot of challenges that have, have gotten me to this point. But I believe right now there's there's some one one thing that's a good analogy is we all understand what the natural resources crisis is. We all have different opinions about what it how bad it is or what should be done about it. But most people can understand that there's something like climate change happening right now. And I believe there's an equally pernicious human resources crisis that very few people are aware of or know about or talk about. And what I mean by this is I believe that there are Einsteins, that there are Malala's, that there are great genius artists, scientists, and leaders out there who have not yet connected with that part of them. And right now, um, I believe that we have all of the capacity to solve all of the challenges that we are facing as a, a species of humans and and beyond as a as a planet as a single global organism but we need to get people aligned to get people waking up to that and i believe that the work i do empowers the 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 change makers who are waking these people up who are getting people aligned and so with each person that can tell a better story, I, I know that it's impacting thousands of more people who have been let down dozens of times before and who you might be the very last line of defense, the last hope for. And because of this story, you can help them. And, and through this process and through helping as many people as possible tell better stories, that we can wake up the the talent that is latent in in our culture in our civilization and we can all show up and particularly in these next 5 years i believe in the next 5 years everything that we value and everything that we've built our cult culture around particularly in the west is going to come into question with artificial intelligence mm -hmm. it, it skills don't matter anymore. Five years from now, talent doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is your experience and your personal perspectives. And that's what that's what makes us the most human. And there's going to be, I, I want to be skillful and talented too. But there are certainly, I thought I was one of the safest people from AI. And all of a sudden, chat GPT is writing great stories. And I love to use it too for to, to help me out. But now like copywriters are going extinct and, and all kinds of things like this. And it's coming for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to find those stories that gives us our meaning, that gives us our purpose, and that we can be more human than ever. And so I'm I'm this this sounds kind of scary and gloom and doomy, but I I'm actually optimistic about this. And it's going to be challenging in these in these next five years, but I believe on the other side of this, 
is truly the the civilization, the future, the the things that we've all been aspiring to and imagine as possible. We're really close, but it's going to take all of us being at our very best, having the conversations and telling the stories starting right now. Mm. Now, you've touched on a few things there that I want to highlight because I think some of them are really important. And I love the way that you're describing, you know, our story, my story as being the thing that can help me reflect on like what it means to be human. And I think you're absolutely right in this age of AI and the way technology is developing and integrating so fast into our world. This, I mean, I would say even before you know, we had uh, generational AI, you know, I, I think we'd lost the humanity somewhere. When I, when I look out into life, n- never mind business, right? It's like we've lost our soul. And yet here we have with this incredible catalyst that's forcing us almost, catalyzing us to think about, well, what does it mean to be human? And what's valuable about being human that an AR, at least today, can't replicate. So I love that you've taken us there. Now I do have something of a challenge, which Mm. is that one of the things we talk a lot about at Sacred Changemakers is the hyper-individualistic culture that we live within here in the West, which is all Mm -hmm. about I, me, mine, my stories, you know, my, my life, my business, my leadership, whatever it is, it's I, me, mine. And most organizations are kind of organized towards and and, you know and a lot of our audience are coaches consultants leaders that are working you know in that individual space but I also want to ask you about the collective stories because you know I think it was David White who said a couple of years back pre-lockdown pre-pandemic he was already starting to say that it's almost like as humans and in the west particularly We've outgrown the story. And you can see this in business and leadership. We're outgrowing the story of efficiency and profit at any cost because we're starting to see the consequences of the way that we're living our lives. But it's like we're in between stories. We haven't really defined the new story yet for humanity. And I'd love to get your take on that, Kyle. You know, as someone who works a lot with individuals in their stories, like, what do you notice in this space of collective story? Absolutely. I think one of the things of our collective story is the rapid progress of technology that mm-hmm. has outpaced our biology or our spirituality. And a great example of this is the prevalence of sugar. Mm-hmm. Once was very, very rare now is a delicious thing. We can't get enough of it. We're super addicted to it. And this is long before smartphones, our internet, <laughs> sugar was here. Right. And smartphones are basically sugar in, in a different way. They, they're designed right. by engineers to create the same effects that sugar creates for us. And we've just been able to get really good at that. And we're optimizing for kind of the wrong things, but we just, we haven't been able to be aware of where we want to go or where we want to be collectively. And, and I'm, I don't think I, I, there's something to be said about the individualism because uh, hyper collectivist societies certainly have their own problems um, Mm -hmm. that, that we could get into in a different podcast on geopolitics. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, And let there me just some... be clear, it's not an either or, it's a yes and where we from Absolutely. where we stand. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's I, I see individualists and collectivists uh, as kind of like a cultural, in the same way like a Myers-Briggs. <laughs> um, you know, there's certain personalities and there's kind of Myers-Briggs for cultures. And and uh yeah, some a lot of us Western countries have are super high <laughs> on the individualist. But um <clears throat> When, when what we want to do, as far as the I, me, mind goes, this, this kind of goes back to the idea of imposter syndrome. And as we are growing who our business and growing our things, the bad news is that imposter syndrome is going to find you at every level of success and progress 
from making your first dollar to your 10 millionth dollar and beyond. And the, the problem and the solution to imposter syndrome, and this is the good news, are always the same. If you're feeling imposter syndrome, if you're feeling your limitations, then you're focused on yourself and you're in the I, me, mine. And the cure for that is just as simple. Focus on the person that you want to serve. If you're really doing that, then that gets us past this. And if we really start to think about who we want to serve and how we want them to have a better life, this this impacts the, the hopefully... We're, we're all in this. I would only work with somebody who I think is really going to make the world a better place. Mm. And, and I imagine everybody else listening to this uh, is also aligned with that. And we can take comfort in that. Even though we're imperfect humans and I've made mistakes and I'm sure you have too. Oh yeah. But if we're really, <laughs> yeah, if we're really in this to serve, if we're really in this to, to stand for this better world and, and the people that we want that's the cure for the individualism and and that's that's what we need to be focusing on to to usher in this better future thank you now you also mentioned that you do use ai um now um i'd love you to speak to that because i know i have some clients that think that ai is the answer to everything and can actually replace them, which I don't believe it can. And then, of course, there's people that are absolutely like, oh, no, I'm not going to touch AI because it's not ethical, right, for me to use AI in my business, particularly for writing, because it should be my voice. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your relationship with AI and what you recommend. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I think of AI as a, as a friend. Um, there is, you know, the, the people who are latter who think AI is unethical probably use AI to say, write me 10 social media posts right now <laughs> that I can copy and paste. Right. And that's lazy and lame and is not actually going to create good results for you. But there's many different ways to use artificial intelligence to help you. It can say, um, I like to use it to come up with a profile. This is the kind of person I want to speak to. Help me fill in the gaps here. Or I have, here's this book chapter that I've been writing. And it's about two thirds of the way. Can you look at this and based on the profile of person, can you give me a suggestions for a few things that I've missed in here? Or can you help me come up with uh, 10 quick ideas that I can build on and develop a little bit more in here? And so there's there's many different ways of helping inspire ideas uh, right in the beginning. And, and that can help uh, start the creativity and beat that blank page. Um, <clears throat> or uh, you know what's happening right now? There's a giant dog that just walked into my room and peed on my door. Um, nice. That is a really interesting uh, <laughs> thing. We'll deal with that in a moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so, oh man, I've totally lost my train of thought. I, I told you to challenge me. Who would have seen <laughs> this one coming? This is the thing that, that threw me off. Um, but yeah, and then you can also have AI work as kind of like your, your editor or uh, somebody uh, correcting uh, what you're doing and, and helping take it further. Cause my personality, I'm really good with kind of the, the starting first little bit of information or like getting, getting started, but I have trouble finishing out that last 10%. So AI can help me there. And if you use it at many different stages, it helps enhance and speed up what mm -hmm. I already know and what I'm already doing instead of just, uh, taking care of the the whole thing and that's what i believe ai is going to ai like computers aren't going to replace us but uh people that are really good at ai are going to outcompete those that that don't know how to use it but i believe that ai can can again help bring out what's more human in you can accent and accelerate what's already brilliant about you mm, i love that
Yes, yeah. and I totally agree. Um, it's it's an interesting conversation that we're having in our inner circle at the moment around AI and its place, really, and and how we use it. And it it, it seems so interesting to me that you know it, nobody ever thought about this with a calculator, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think, well, it's unethical to use a calculator <laughs> in my business, totally. you know. And it's it feels like the same thing to me. So I love that you've described it in that way. I bet there um, was people who thought that calculators were bad when they came out. Mm -hmm. Probably. Well, in fact, I remember at school, we weren't allowed to use them in our in our exams, Mm -hmm. to be honest. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you just need to get used to uh, like integrating it and the way that we work with it. But, um, yeah, I love what you described because it certainly is an accelerator for your results, particularly I find in, like you said, the ideas, the outline, and then at different points in the process to improve and enhance what you do. So I love that. Mm -hmm. So, Kyle, I'm looking at the time and thinking, okay, I need to ask you one final question, which is just simply this. Like, if there's something you'd wished we'd covered in this interview that maybe we haven't had time to get to, or maybe it's just a few words of wisdom that you want to leave our audience with, what might it be? I I think it's, it's just reiterating how important your experience is and it's not just about your skills and your talents you have brought a whole lifetime to this moment and you have stories you have thoughts you have knowledge that are important and there are people out there that desperately need your help right now and i hope that you can take solace in that and and take just a little bit of what we've learned and discussed today to start serving more and making a bigger impact. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know you've really inspired me to really, you know, get some clarity around the stories that I'm telling, uh, not just in my business, but I think it's also important in life and to raise my awareness of those. So thank you so much. So many insights from our conversation today. And I know our listeners will feel inspired and have learned so much from you. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you for anybody who's listened up until this point. And, and uh, I would love to hear from from anybody about the, uh, the impact that this has made or the insights that you've gathered. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I do want to remind you that all the resources and links for Kyle are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. There you can find out how to contact him, how to see his website. And I do recommend that you have a conversation with him. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community, who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.